my parents, everybody's singing my family. So I started real young. I mean, listening to William Brothers and I mean, I'm talking about vinyls <laughs> at grandma's house in Bankhead. So I've been listening to music since before I can even remember. And uh, so, I think my lighting weird. Let me see. Boom. And I look a little better because I look real bright a little bit a second ago. <laughs> so, what you say? So, so, and 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 I read that your 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 two biggest um, influences are Outcast and Johnny Cash. Is, is that right? Yep, definitely. I mean, Outcast just had an all-around sound. You couldn't even really categorize them as rappers. They uh, were far beyond more than just rappers. Pioneers of music, um, everything. They were pop. They were country. They were everything. All in one big old ball of joy. Um, Johnny Cash, I loved his grit and the message that he stood for. And um, just being relentless. But I mean, as a young, you know, as a young kid, you really don't know why you like somebody. You just know that it's jamming and the music just resonates with your spirit. So it started with that feeling first. Uh, which of those two acts did you get into first? Uh, Johnny Cash, I heard when I was young, uh, I'm talking about six, seven years old. And I was just like, this is amazing. Outcast, um, I had to be a young teenager, like 11, 12 years old. And I was just like, this is a sound. And from those moments, um, I would see, you know, back in the day, you didn't have really like the internet like it is now. Yeah. But my uncle then was signed to LaFace Records. So I finally got to meet Outkast, and it was a beautiful thing. I remember going on tour buses at age eight, nine years old, and Tony Braxton, Pebbles, uh, Usher, TLC, everybody was on the tour bus right before show or after the show. So just amazing moments like you really don't get to witness as kids. Magic. And and what, was it around those type of times that you thought about, you know, becoming a becoming a musician yourself? Well, we was already uh, recording and singing and everything by then. Um, me and my brothers had a group called Times Three. It was three of us, so Times Three, and we hadn't put out a song and sold records out of a trunk. So. We were already in it. Like, we started. By the time I was six, my dad was handing me a guitar. And I still had that guitar to this day. And by the time I was eight or nine, I was already on the road performing in Augusta, Savannah, uh, South Carolina, North Carolina, you know, different eight, places. Eight or nine? Yes. And then going to school. Oh. And coming home practicing again and then going back out on the road on the weekends wow and so were you playing 
by yourself or as part of a band that young? Yeah, it was me and my brothers. Uh, it was oh, three yeah, of us. And, oh, in, in the group. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and we were doing like opening acts for different people. And we started off doing like a lot of talent shows and winning those like the My Brother's Keeper MBK here in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, local schools and local um, part stores that had talent searches and talent shows. We were we would go there and sing like Silver and Gold and uh, In Vogue and <laughs> like different stuff. I remember one of the first songs I learned was uh, In Vogue. Many say that I'm too young to let you know this where I'm coming from. That record right there, that was one of the first records that I ever learned and sung it with my brothers. And I mean, outside of our original stuff, but I remember A Sweet Jewel. Now that I said that, it took me back. The very first song that me and my brothers ever recorded was the song by Michael Jackson, Girlfriend. Oh, yeah, I love that song. That is and I still had that recording, too. I have that recording from when I was, like, seven. Wow, I'd love to hear that. <laughs> yep, on a cassette tape. <laughs> I got to I gotta get it. I got to get it uh, the way I can put it on, like, a disc or something or a USB, because that would be amazing. The girl, Girlfriend, that was on Off the Wall, wasn't it? Yep. I'm going to tell your boyfriend. Yeah, show him exactly did, what we're doing. Did, did um? Yep. I think it's a. I think it was a Paul McCartney song as well. I think he. I think it was a Paul McCartney song that he wrote, and and um and and you know Michael Jackson chose for that off the wall album, and and it was played. That's amazing. Pretty surprising. Uh, pretty surprising choice in a way. Although obviously they ended up working together. Um, yeah. yeah, I never knew that. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. I, I I watched a documentary, a Spike Lee documentary about um, Off the Wall the other day, and uh, yeah, it was pretty pretty cool finding that out because so many great people worked on the Michael Jackson records. But so so you so you've been singing and making music, you know, literally your whole life, and you started so, so my whole life. Um, but so when when you know. How how old were you when when you kind of you know like broke through and and became you know like a, a star essentially? You said when I became a star. Or are you still waiting for that? Are you modest enough to say that? <laughs> you know, I just feel like I do what I love to do. I mean, being a star, I think I was born a star because I always, um, you know, exuded light. But that has nothing to do with music. It's just my characteristics and my, you know, who who I am and what makes me who I am. Um, but if you're talking about, like, star as in celebrity, I still feel super regular. I mean, you know, that, I don't think that's going to ever change. I know it's never going to change. No matter how successful records are, I'm still that same guy that was in the studio looking to make music that had purpose. And how would you describe your music? Trailer trap. Trailer oh. park music meets trap music. I just bridge the gap. Trailer trap. And and uh, 
I mean, would you say that there are many other artists doing 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 that type of, that type of thing, like crossing over country and, and hip hop? Man, it's a it's so many artists that have experimented with a lot of different sounds. Um, I just happen to take eight nine years to perfect mine, and I mean, I am to where I am now, but. It's definitely like kind of a formula, but kind of abstract. It's just whatever feels good. But I mean, I come from both worlds, so I naturally mix them anyway. I've always listened to country music. I've always listened to uh, mainly R&B with 808s. I was never the person that listened to a lot of rap. I listened to Outkast, but like I said, Outkast wasn't just rap to me. They were everything. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the, you know, the, there's actually great vocals, you know, like great kind of, it's, it's not just the rapping for sure. Yeah. I mean, like Andre 3000, yeah. like his, his, um, his vocal style kind of reminds me sometimes a bit of uh, Maurice White from Earth, Wind and Fire, like just yeah. low, lower, lower vocals. And yep. a lot of vocal character, a lot of great songwriting. Yeah, they were they were much more uh, genius than just a than just a, a rap group. Not that there's anything bad about just being a rap group, but they definitely tackled all sorts of different genres. And so, um, I mean, I guess you know it makes perfect sense. Your two your two favorite artists were were Outkast and Johnny Cash. So it makes perfect sense to to create Trailer Trap. Although, what artists, what trap artists, kind of. Um, got got you into trap? Uh, T.I., Jeezy, to name a couple. Those artists. But you know, growing up, man, to tell you the truth, outside of Outkast, I would listen to uh, Goody Mob, Feel Mob. Um, then when I heard David Banner, I was like, this country... He just he rapping over it. Um, Nappy Roots. Lauren Hills had like that good fine mixture of you know, breeding two genres like hip hop and R and B together. So I've been so influenced by so many people, man. When it boils down to it, when I just say my sound is defined by Outcast and Johnny Cash, I mean that in the most um open way but like so many artists have inspired me from aretha franklin to sam cook to dunny hathaway yeah it's just a kind of starting point for pe people to know i guess yeah where you're coming yep. from and how so you you released honeysuckle and lightning bugs last year and and obviously you know the get up was it was a huge hit um you know, were, were you a fan of the, you know, the the fact that it, it gained like huge popularity through TikTok? Are you a big TikTok user, and is that is that something that that you're that you're keen on, or or, or is it? I wasn't I wasn't a big TikTok user at the time. Um, it blew up on the other on another app, uh, social media site, and I mean like two sites before it blew up on TikTok. The guys from TikTok saw it on another platform 
and decided to do that dance on TikTok. And that's how it blew up on TikTok. Oh, right, yeah, because actually it blew up on YouTube first, didn't it? Yeah. It was like YouTube, um, YouTube in a few places. I'm talking about it was like mil- like over 100 million views by the time I even found out that it was like 9 million views on TikTok. And then that turned into 300, 400, 500 million views, so forth, so on. Now it's over like 3.5 billion views. Wow. Unbelievable. Um, and 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 so you made honeysuckle and lightning bugs, but before before that, you know, you you'd produced for people like Chris Brown and stuff. Like, how how did that side of your career change to you becoming a recording artist? Well, I started off as an engineer. Well, rewind. I was an artist that didn't quite make it, but I wanted to be a part of music, so I learned how to engineer to make money. Um, I went from a barber to an engineer and from an engineer to a vocal producer. Then from a vocal producer to listen to my songs, let me write something with you. Let me uh, sing a hook or, you know, things of that nature. And from vocal production and writing, I went into, I produced this, listen to this. And it just kind of, it was my path. I kind of just carved out where I wanted to be and in 2018, I had the opportunity of a lifetime. I had been offered several deals before signing to BMG, Broken Bow Records, um, but I never took them. They just didn't, you know, I wasn't comfortable with the situations. And when I met Zach Katz and John Loba, it just it felt like it was supposed to be. Wow. So you, so you really kind of without deliberately doing it in a way, worked your way up. Um, yeah. Didn't know where I was going to land it, but I knew I was going to land on my feet. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you, you must've shown a lot of like vocal talent, you know, obviously like when doing the vocal production for people to be like, right, you know, why don't you sing a hook and, and, and evolving it from there. So that, that, that I mean, that's yep. awesome. And so how, how was, how was the experience of making, making the record Honey Circle and Lightning Bugs? Was oh it- man, I started on that album in 2012. Wow. Two, at the end of 2011, I had started experimenting with um, 808s and country music. Before then I was doing traditional country music and my friends would laugh at me. Then when I threw the 808 in, didn't nobody laugh. <laughs> it was, man, this is genius. Like, when can I get this? I want to hear this again. I was like, no, you got to wait. So they waited a good eight years before, you know, the Get Up came out. Um, like, 10 Whiskey and those records, I did in 2012. Like, I still have the original um, blueprints for, like, records on there. Um couple records I can't think of the name right now but 2016 2017 I did Country Time Georgia Power I sat on Georgia Power for a whole year and a half before I finished it because it didn't go where I wanted it to go in the track one day I pulled it back up and my homie the singer had started uh, writing the record I loved the melody from the day I heard it 
And I was just like, okay, let me do some stumming and some clapping and then put a break in there. And then I would jump into what I want the hook to be in the mini, 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 my animo. And it was just like, okay, now it feels like what I need to feel like. So it's all been a process, man. Like back to your original question. Um, that sound, honestly, is one that I can't live without. And I was hoping that the world felt the same way. Starting on Honeysuckle and that body of work just made all the sense to me. I didn't have to switch roles or try to be something that, that I wasn't. I'm not a cowboy. I never aspired to be a cowboy. I'm not hood. I never aspired to be hood hood. I'm a little bit of both. And um, there's a fine line between that to me. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I never sold drugs and I never rode horses. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just, but I love what I love yeah um, it, it comes across as a, very, as a very authentic blend and then this year you released I Need Love so yeah that that, that was a great melody and stuff you know I, I, I thought that was awesome were, were you kind of when you released it were you I guess that would have been just before all, the, all this kind of like coronavirus stuff started kicking in yeah, I released it, uh, I think, like, March or beginning April, probably March. I actually recorded I Need Love in 2016. Wow. So yeah, do you have more material that you've, that you've kind of still got and you're just figuring out when to release it? Yes, I, I have the original session. I showed one of the original sessions on my page. Um I Need Love was actually called History, but it was his story, like my story, his story. And um, that's what I named the session in 2016. And my DJ that goes on the road with me actually produced that record. Then I co-produced it. So it's all family ties just circling back around. Um. I originally started that song thinking about my grandmothers. You know, as I look to my left and my right, there's no one there to hold my hand. Both of my grandmothers passed. Um, you know, when my knees get to buckling and my heart shows you nothing, just start praying for me. It was just a moment of emptiness. I need love. We all know that a drink can't heal my heart. That's why I need you by my side. Then, even in you listen to the words, like, all the way through, I say, honey, love. So I could be talking about a drink. Honey, love, I need love. So, you know, I like to play on words and make things, you know, clever. But I really be telling my stories. Or if I'm not telling my stories, I'm telling the person's story next to me. Yeah. It's all about storytelling. Yeah. And so the songwriting songwriting and lyric writing and you know, crafting songs, does that, has that always come naturally to you? Have you, have you when, when did you start doing that? Well, I think it was kind of natural as a kid because uh, I wrote haikus like all the time. Couldn't nobody outright me in a haiku 575757. You know, I was untouchable. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I wrote my class song by the time I was 17, going on 18. 
uh, for high school. I taught the parts. Didn't really consider myself as a songwriter because I knew songs on the radio had a different format. And then uh, I asked my homie Jasper Cameron, who's a successful songwriter in the industry from like Sierra, some everybody, Christian Aguilera. And I asked him, how do you format songs? He said, well, this is a pre, this is a hook, this is a verse. And long story short, people stopped, people wouldn't give me tracks to write to. And he said, take my laptop and just make music on it, man. He gave me his laptop. He gave me his um, MIDI keyboard, little small keyboard. And I learned how to produce and reasons. But it all started with Jasper giving me the formula. And then I went on and I found my way. Like, okay, every song don't need a pre. Every song don't need a hook. It's just whatever feels good. So um, as I learned the first basis of it, I just implemented what felt great, man. Some songs, they just flow and they have no format. I just like abstract things. Yeah, for sure. Um, and and so of of all the all the tunes that you've recorded, is there a song that that um that you know you have a kind of special fondness for? Uh, I mean, that's just about every song. To tell you the truth, like Funky Tonk, I dreamt of them guitars, and I hummed them on my phone. Sent the voice memo to my dad. And he played them. So he's on my album. Um, me and my brother uh, did records together. And working on this new project, I had my brother doing a lot more writing with me. He was already a successful songwriter before I even, you know, got my foot in the dough from Trey Songs to Rihanna. And, you know, um, so... I'm just trying to implement my whole family, man. I have my niece write some if she could. <laughs> that's yeah, that's a that's a really nice thing. Well, Blanco, thank you so much for taking the time to do this podcast. I, I really appreciate it, and uh, you know, I hope hope you're able to get out there and gig soon when all this lockdown stuff um, hopefully continues to ease. But thanks very much, and uh, take care. Thank you. All right, blessings. Thank you for your time. Thank you too. Bye.